Father, thank you. What a great way to begin our time in your word. And now, Father, as we continue to look at what your word teaches us about transformation and specifically the relationship between biblical joy and walking with Jesus. Lord, oftentimes, for whatever reason, our, our walk becomes so heavy, so introspective, so somber. And, and then we read scriptures about joy and the joy of the Lord being our strength. And, and so, Father, help us to understand what it means today that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus, you say in, in John that, that you desire that your joy would be in us and that our joy would be complete. So I pray that today and in the weeks ahead, Lord, as you teach us through your word the truth about biblical joy, that it would well up and that we would all bear the fruit of joy and that joy would be evident to the community that we live in. And Lord, that, that others would be drawn to Jesus because of the joy in our lives. So Lord, thank you for this time so far. Thank you for your word. And now uh, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Bring it to life, Lord. And, and in the hearing, Lord, also bring the application. Show us, Lord, where, where we can uh, make the necessary changes to continue our transformation, our joyful transformation, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, you may be seated. And all God's people said, God bless you. <laughs> you know, that little thing called life, it just happens, huh? It just happens. All right, Romans 12. Ken, can you give me a little more volume, please? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Transformation. Lifelong process, metamorphosis, supernatural, inside out, letting who we are in Christ become more and more evident, right? Word picture, caterpillar becoming a butterfly, just an incredible time this year, looking at it in so many different ways, amazing how, how full Scripture is, right? How full it is. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, let's read that together. Ready? Begin. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so Romans 12.1, last week we saw that word therefore is an important word, right? It's a response word, right? It says, hey, you've heard some really cool things, some absolutely wonderful things in Romans 1-11, through 11, the gospel, therefore respond, right? And we saw that throughout Scripture, that when you see the word therefore, you should ask the question, what is therefore, therefore, Right? Because what was said before it is significant because now we're supposed to do something, right? And so last week we saw that transformation is really a response. It's a response. And, and we looked at that and the whole idea of experiencing, tasting that God is what? Good, right? That 
as a believer in our walk with Jesus, it's not just academic and it's not just intellectual and it's not just doctrinal, although absolutely foundational to everything. It's experiential. It's experiential. We talked about, you know, we use the analogy of the restaurant, right? The restaurant. Anybody in and out fans here? In and out, sea fresh fans here? Right. Taco Bell fans here getting remodeled over there in Miramani. Right. Right. So so we understand sort of this experiential idea when you experience a good meal somewhere. Right. You 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 have a meal. You're like, oh, man, that was good. Right. Right. On Wednesday night, you had an experience. Right. Wednesday night was what? Experiential. You had you had good food. You had good fellowship. People had good service in terms of you who served and helped clean up. Thank you. So Wednesday night was experientially what? Good, right? And in fact, I'm guessing many of you wouldn't even have a problem telling others how good it was because it was a good experience, right? And so we were bringing that in to this idea of transformation and trying to, trying to reconnect the goodness of God, experiencing His goodness in our transformation. Because sometimes, I don't know where, where, where we picked it up, we understand the therefore. And we read it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And, and, and we hear it like that, and we get very serious. And we get very solemn. And we leave here like this. And we go to Cafe Emporium and they say, Hey, where are you coming from? I'm coming from church. You want to come next week? Right? And we wonder why. Oh, no, I'm busy. You know, no, no thanks, no thanks, right? Versus, hey, man, I just had the best meal ever. They got something new on the menu. I tried that salad. It's so good. You got to come try it. Right? So, so we get this weird disconnect that, that following Jesus, being transformed, is very serious and solemn and somber. When Psalm 34 8, we saw it said, Taste and to see that the Lord is what? Good! Good! That means in his nature he's good. That means he wants your good. Think about that. How many of you woke up this morning with a smile on your face because God wants your good today? He wants what's best for you. He's smiling. He's happy. He's pleased with you. When you got up, he was like, Good morning! Good morning! How are you today? Hi, Lord! Versus, I I don't know what your picture of God is when you get up in the morning, you know. I don't know what you, you know, don't make too much noise. God's still asleep. Don't want to wake him. I mean, I don't know how you view God in the morning, but he's a good God and he wants you to have a good day. Amen. Not that everything in it is going to be good necessarily, but here's the incredible truth. Romans eight twenty eight. Whatever happens to you today in his goodness, he will work all things for your good. That should pretty much set the day on a good, on a good right frame of mind. Amen. If God is good and he wants your good and everything that happens to you today will ultimately work for your good, it should be a good day. Let's go have donuts and coffee, Lois, right? Because it's going to be a good day. 
And yet, what happens? In this desire to be like Jesus, all that, all that good, positive experience goes out the window. And we get real serious. And, and I'm trying to, I want to try to, in the next few weeks, link and, and reconnect joy and transformation. Joy and transformation. How many of you believe that being more like Jesus is a wonderful thing? How many of you could bear testimony to how he has transformed you? Okay, smile. Smile. It's a good thing, amen? It's good. I mean, I just, the more I study this, the more it's actually convicted me because I have seen in my own walk with the Lord where out of the best of intentions and out of my burdens for others and out of my responsibilities and out of my own record keeping about my own failures and shortcomings, I see in my own life where the joy of the Lord has not been my strength. And my joy, or, and we're going to see the difference between joy and happiness in a, in a week or so, but my joy, if I'm not careful, has really been focused on circumstance and self. And, and we, need to, we really need to come back if we're going to embrace transformation. Embrace it. Like, jump in. Jump in. If we're going to embrace it, and then... In the process, draw others to the same process. Hey, come on. You remember one, one Sunday, it, we said transformation is like a parade. If you've been to the July 4th parade, it's like a parade where Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And you get out of your seat and, you, and then you, you get other people to come. It's like a big parade. So in this parade of discipleship, I would hope that our joy would be a draw. Right? I mean, how many of you enjoy, like, if you've been to the July 4th parade here, when the, when the little kids are happy out there, right? And then how many of you, when the float goes by, is like, that's not a happy float. That's not a happy float. They've been, um, they've been sitting over there waiting to go for like three hours. It's 100 degrees, and they just want it to be over, right? Even from a distance, when the floats go by in the parade, they send off a vibe, Right? question is, as a Christian, as a church even, as Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, what's our vibe? And I hope that as serious, okay, as serious as we take the Word of God, because it is a serious thing, okay, I'm not making light of the seriousness of it, that we don't become a somber church. Big difference. Big difference. This is serious. This is life, death, eternal, heaven, hell serious. Okay? It, it is. It is. We believe that here. That, that's a stake we drove in the ground and we will have here. But it's not necessarily somber. And, and part of the, the challenge for us biblically is to bring the joy back in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We just sang that song, right? Uh, we stand and lift up our hands. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Is it? It's okay, supposed to be, right? The old supposed to be, should be. I'm not even sure we know what that means. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We've heard it. We've sung it. Maybe memorized it. But what does that mean? The joy of the Lord. Where does that even come from, right? It's important. It's important. The, this idea of joy, the title, if you see it in your notes there, right? I put, are you creeping or leaping? Right? Are you creeping or leaping? Because this joy has a real practical impact on what? Your enthusiasm, 
Right? Are you creeping along in transformation? Are you leaping? Are you leaping? I love Proverbs 17:22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs 17:22. So where are you on that spectrum? Cheerful heart, crushed spirit. And how does joy fit into all of that? Are you creeping? Just kind of creeping along, bearing your cross, trudging through it. Are you leaping? Not that everything's, but are, are you, do you have the joy? Are you enthusiastic? Are you like, woo, yes, it's a good day. God is good. He wants my good. Everything today works for my good. I, I can kind of put it, that puts a spring in my step. Because what? It's all good. It's all good, right? Bill, you know this from your hike. There's, there's a proverb that says, the sad heart tires in a mile. He just, how long did you hike? 11 days, how far? 170 miles, 11 days. You just did that with 28 pounds on your back, right? His attitude on day one, step one, had a profound impact on the next step and then the first mile of that 170. Right? If, he, if he's creeping along and he's just burning, I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to be a chore. Why did I do this? It's hot. This is silly. I can't do this. All of those thoughts, all of those, you didn't train enough. You, you know, everyone said you shouldn't. Everyone, you know, they're all mad at me. And all these negative thoughts and all these second guessings and all this burden, if that's weighing on him, you better believe that's going to affect every step he takes trying to accomplish this goal. Versus, my guess is, whoo, this is good. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm guessing those first few steps when you had that spring in your step still, right, when you still smelled pretty good, right? <laughs> I wish we had a picture, right? Bill's probably like, yeah, hey, how are you? Right? He's going to, right? And then when things got tough, the fact that he wanted to be there, the fact that hiking and being out in God's creation for that time was a joy to him, got him through the very tough climbs and the, the yellow jackets that swarmed him, right? And, and all of that, right? He's telling us the story of these yellow jackets at this lake or something so bad that he had to like throw his tent open and jump in his tent and zip it up because it was so... Anyone want to join him next time? Right now. But see, for him, he can endure that and he can embrace that because he has joy in doing it. It's a, it's, it's a core joy, right? And it's a profound impact. And, and you know, I want to hear something crazy. Look at Nehemiah 8.10. Let's go to Nehemiah. We're going to start there, this kind of mini-series on, on joy. So it's in the Old Testament, right? Ezra, Nehemiah. If you go to Job, you went too far. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Right? Nehemiah. The setting is that the Israelites are coming back to Jerusalem out of captivity. Okay? They've been in captivity in Babylon and Persia because of their disobedience, Deuteronomy 28. Right? 
Nehemiah gets a burden and desire to come and rebuild the walls. He gets provision and everything. They come back and they rebuild the walls. Okay? So, there's about 50,000 of them. About 50,000. Okay, let's uh, look at Nehemiah 7. Let's just start there. Nehemiah 7, just to kind of set the, the context. Nehemiah 7, 1. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Okay? So, the wall has been built. This is sort of the, the people coming back to their homeland. Okay? So, physical restoration has happened. The walls have been rebuilt. And then, Nehemiah 8, 1. Look what it says. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema. There's like 13 of his leaders, right? Verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, there's about 13 Levites, right? They go out, and it says at the end of verse 7, They instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read the book, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because... They now understood the words that had been made known to them. Right? So, the walls are built. There's about 50,000 of them. They gather. Ezra goes up on this wooden platform. He's got like 13 leaders around him. Then there's also Levites, the priests. It says, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Daybreak till noon. People are asking, are we moving to service time when we go to the new facility? I'm like, sweet! Daybreak till noon. 
daybreak till noon. And what did he just read? He just read. Didn't say he gave any funny illustrations, no PowerPoint, no, no. He just read. He read, read, and read. Five, six hours. And somewhere, they're, they're assuming because there were so many people, the Levites go out and they begin to teach and explain what is happening. Okay? It's five or six hours. They just open the book. Okay? What's important is to understand is that for the last 70 years, they've been in captivity with the Babylonians and the Persians, which means they have not been with God. They've been mixing with the culture, adopting the pagan rituals and customs and language. They're speaking Aramaic now. This is in Hebrew. So that's another reason the Levites went out was to translate. Okay? Because their language even had gotten confused and mixed up with the pagan culture. So they come back. And not just have physical restoration, but the important part of Nehemiah 8 is now it's a spiritual restoration. Now they're coming back to God through His Word, through the reading of Scripture. It's a powerful moment. And from daybreak until noon, they just read. And the Levites go out and explain what's happening. And God moves. In fact... It says, look in verse 9, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. He's six hours. They're reading scripture. And you know what happens? We don't know how many, but there's thousands of people there. They start to weep. They get broken. They're mourning. Simply by the reading of scripture. Right? We're going to look at, look at what's going on in a little bit. And then he says this, verse, verse Nehemiah says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send them to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isn't that kind of interesting? Isn't that interesting? The reading, they want spiritual restoration. They asked Ezra, Hey, Ezra, get the book. Get the book. We want to hear God's word. They ask for it. He starts reading it. There's a movement. They're broken. They're mourning and weeping. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah and the elders are like, hey, time out. Don't mourn. Don't weep. What's going on? What's going on? And and, and a lot of people are like, well, that's strange because usually in church, we're supposed to feel bad, aren't we? Isn't that the way we're supposed to do it in church? We come and we listen to the sermon and and they teach the word and we get convicted and we all sort of just feel bummed out. And we leave feeling like we got slapped on the wrist and we're less than and uh, we're not leaving with the joy of the Lord. We're leaving with like bumness. Think about it. In your relationship with the Lord. When you read scripture, when you even get a conviction, when you feel like you need to confess or repent. How long do you wallow in that? Versus choose joy. Choose. See, it's it's this weird thing in the church. We want to be more like Jesus. We want transformation. We know from 1 Peter that we grow by the milk, the Word of God, right? And so the Word of God comes, just like it came here. We feel grief. We feel like we need to repent. We need to put some things off. We feel really bad. And then we just keep feeling really bad. 
And then we just keep feeling really bad. Anyone? You, we, we're the two steps, one step forward, two steps back Christian. I know, I'm getting there. I know. What happened to the joy? Where's the joy, right? Because look what he says in verse 10. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's trying to get them to shift gears here. Because if they're going to keep this spiritual restoration, if they're going to keep moving forward, it's got to be joy. They got to be motivated. They got to be driven by the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's your strength? What is driving you to be more like Jesus? Guilt? Condemnation? Fear of man? Fear of pastor? What's your drive? Is the joy of the Lord your strength in transformation? Are you, is, that, is that what's driving you each day to get up and choose to honor Jesus? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know somebody who understood the power of joy and in fact took that, that exact verse out of context? Do you want to know who used this? Who understood the power when someone has joy? Hitler. Hitler took that verse and it was a slogan for the Hitler youth movement called Strength Through Joy. Hitler understood if he could get the youth to joyfully embrace that craziness, there would be action taken. Strength through joy. Hitler even got it. Isn't that crazy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You've got to ask yourself, How are you doing in this joy realm? Are you joyful? And if you are, notify your face. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm joyful. Yeah, I'm joyful, Pastor. I am so joyful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm joyful. I am as joyful as can be. I'm, I'm joyful. I'm full of joy. Just full. Full, 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 full. Can be fuller. Are we? Come on, are we? And if we're not, why not? What, what is it? What, what's hindering the joy? Seriously, just, just ask yourself that gut check. Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Hitler understood. If I can get people joyfully bought into something, there's going to be action taken. That was the slogan. Strength through joy was the Hitler youth movement. He stole the verse and twisted it. Man, I'm like, oh, man, when I read that, I'm like, oh, Lord, come on. Come on, come on, come on, church. Come on. Come on, church. We got to get this thing, man. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What's going on here? What's going on, right? Okay, let me, let me explain a little bit. So Ezra reads. For five to six hours, the book of the law, right? And then, the, and then the leaders say, right, verse 9, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. What's the reason for them to bring this correction? Why are they trying to snap them out? 
it goes back to look at eight, look at verse one of Nehemiah eight. When the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in the square before the water gate. This is the seventh month. This is the first day of the seventh month, right? They're bringing correction because they're trying to get people back to obedience. You're like, what does that mean? Turn to Leviticus. Right? Turn to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. The basis of the correction from Nehemiah and the leadership is the Word of God. And here it is, Leviticus 23, verse 23. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It was called the feast. We call it, the Christians call it feast of trumpets, or I put it in your notes, um, Yom Teruah. So they bring out the reading on the first day of the seventh month. The people start to get consumed with their feelings, and the leadership says, "No, no, 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 no." According to Leviticus, this is a sacred day. This is actually supposed to be a day of rejoicing. We have to honor what God wants on this day. We have to have obedience. If you want to come back to God and you want to be spiritual restoration, it is with obedience. So what they're doing is saying, hey, guys, there'll be a time for repentance. And that happens in chapter nine. But today, according to Leviticus, is not that day. Today, according to Leviticus, this is a day set apart for God. That's what we need to do as a first priority, is obey God. What they're trying to do in the spiritual restoration is bring the Israelites back to obedience. Because they went to captivity because of what? Disobedience. So they read the scripture. Now here's the thing They're broken. They're mourning and weeping. Why? Because as they're reading the story from those, the, 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 the law, they realize how far away they are. They realize how far away. And they're broken. And like I said, in chapter 9, there comes repentance. And they retell the story. But on this day, on this day, Nehemiah and the elders say, hey, 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 hey. Today, according to God's word, is a day set apart. It's the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets later became Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. That's not in, the, that's not in Scripture, but over time, 1st century A.D., this Feast of Trumpets actually became that. But back then, it was a feast set apart as unto the Lord. And so what they're trying to do is get the people spiritually restored. Why? How? Through obedience. Because what brings God joy? Obedience. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. What that means, that that word strength is refuge, is a stronghold, is a place of safety. The joy of the Lord, obedience, walking with Lord in harmony with the Lord is your place of refuge. Walking with the Lord obediently is your place of safety. That's where you get your strength is walking in obedience to him. He's just trying to bring them all back and say, no, no, no. We're going to repent like tomorrow and day three and day four, and that's chapter nine. But today, if we want to be spiritually right with God again, we have to obey what we're supposed to do on this feast day. On this feast day, he gave specific instructions. So we need to do that. What he's kind of challenging us is obedience over feelings. Check it out. Verse 9. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 23. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Go to Ojai Cafe Emporium. Right? Go. Go to In-N-Out. Get the double-double. Get a shake. Right? Send some to those who have nothing. Hey, help someone else. Right? This day is sacred to the Lord our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's challenging them to obey despite their feelings. And that's a big one for us. Because a lot of us, our joy in the Lord, it, it rises and falls, honestly, by how you're feeling. By how you're feeling. How do I feel today? What are my circumstances What's my opinion on that? Right? And he says, hey, 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 hey. I know God's moving in your heart. I know you're broken. I know you're repentant. I know you're mourning and weeping because you realize how far you've drifted as a people. I'm glad you're back, but we have to obey what God says to do on this day. That's the first priority is obedience. And in your life and in my life, if there's not joy, okay, If there's not joy, ask yourself if there's an area of disobedience. Ask yourself if there's an area of lack of submission. Ask yourself if, you know, if you sort of are drifting and are kind of like in exile with the pagans and doing what they're doing over there. The joy of the Lord being our strength is rooted in what makes Him joyful. And what makes Him joyful is obedience. They understood, right? Deuteronomy. If you obey, you will receive blessings. If you disobey, then consequences. So he's speaking their language. He's like, hey, hey, guys, 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 come on, come on. I'm glad you wanted to read it. I'm glad you wanted to read it, but we need to obey today. There, Leviticus 23 says this is a special day and we need to do some things. Despite, everyone say despite, our feelings. Transformation, the joyful root of transformation comes when you're just surrendered and in the power of the Holy Spirit, yield and obey. That's kind of what's going on here. 
That's kind of what's going on. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're going we're gonna to look in the New Testament because this, you know, this is not the fruit of the Spirit. This, he's just saying the joy of the Lord. He's talking to a people that had been in exile because of disobedience. Fur, they come back the very first day they read Scripture. He's trying to get them back to obedience. And in your life and in my life, I'll be honest with you, when I'm not very joyful, it's usually because it's all about me. I've slid into me, myself, and I. I've slid into rebellion. I've slid into hard-heartedness. I've slid into I don't want to. You can't make me. And usually there is a direct relationship between that attitude and my joy. So what, 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 what do we do to come back? How do we, how do we be, begin this process if, that, if you're realizing that's you, right? Well, it says, right, in Leviticus that that was a day where it says, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. What's happening through the reading of the law, okay, they're commemorating, they're remembering all that God did for them as a people, as His chosen people. The Passover, the Exodus, there was a trumpet blast at Mount Sinai. As they're reading this, part of their grief and mourning is they're like, oh, are you kidding me? God is so good. He's been so merciful. He's been so gracious. He's been so patient with us. Their grief and their mourning isn't just their sin. It's being triggered by the goodness of God. So it's a memorial to the goodness of God, the love of God, the joy of God that is starting to just cause them to reel internally and is bringing them back to Him. There's a wonderful verse in Romans, right? It's, it's that God in His kindness leads us to what? Repentance. Repentance. In God's kindness, goodness, He leads you and me to repentance. He's not the mean, angry, you messed up again! In His kindness and His goodness and His love for you and me, He leads us to repentance. Isn't that awesome? And so what has happened as a nation, the people have come, they've heard the Word of God, the Word of God has reminded them of God's graciousness, His kindness. He chose them. He provided for them. He protected them. He didn't give up on them. He brought them back from captivity. They're overwhelmed, not just with their sin, they're overwhelmed with His goodness. Amen? And if you're struggling with joy this morning, my encouragement, spend from daybreak to noon remembering and commemorating God's goodness to you and see what that does. See what that does. Right? And, and we're going to do this, and, and I gave you some verses. Look in your notes. We're just going to read, turn to Romans 5. I encourage you to read these passages this week and see what happens. Let's commemorate. Let's just remember. Let's remind ourselves of God's goodness to you this morning who say you're a Christian. Okay? We're just going to read it. Romans 5. Verse 1. I'll read it out loud. Therefore, 
Since we have been justified through faith. Wow. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's he talking about? Okay, if you're a believer, say me. Okay, this verse applies to... Okay, now let's start again. Therefore, since I have been justified through faith, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom I have gained access by faith into the grace in which I now stand. And I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but I also rejoice in my sufferings, because I know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, but God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still, what? Powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Who was that? Okay, that's me, right? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for, in this while was still a sinner, Christ died for, ooh, I, don't, I can't improve on that, right? Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 1. As for you, me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for who? God, who is rich in mercy, made alive with Christ, even when I was dead in transgressions, for it is by grace you have been saved. Can't improve on that. Can't improve on that. Turn to First Peter. Keep going right. First Peter one. Let's actually go First uh, Peter two. Nine, verse nine. First Peter two nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I can't improve on that. I just can't improve on that. You see, the joy of the Lord For you and me, there has to come a time when you have to set down for as long as it takes to read what is already true about you and what God has already done for you. Read those passages over and over and over. You were dead. Now you're alive. You were powerless. You were a sinner. You were lost, right? And who did it all? God. For who? can't improve on that if you want the joy if you want to just burst out then appropriate those 
no convincing from a pastor. No dialogue, no debate, nothing. I can't convince you. You have to pray that God would open, open the eyes of my heart. Lord, I want to see you. When you see these truths as applied to you, joy will follow. Because it's already true. It's already true. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have the joy, go back to who you are in Christ and what He did for you. That ought to light your fire. That should just light your fire. And when you got that weird smile on your face and you're walking around school in the community like, what got into you? You <laughs> The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, this has nothing to do with temperament or personality. I understand there's, there's different temperaments and personality. What I'm saying is when the truth of Scripture gets a hold of you and who you are in Christ and what God did for you in His grace and will do and is doing, watch out. I, I can't even fathom what would happen in this church and in your life if, you just, if that, those truths became so real to you and you just cut loose and you believed it and acted on it. That's what he's trying to get the people to do in Nehemiah. This is what's already true. Let's just do it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Where is the joy of the Lord based on? Obedience to, the, to His will. If you're struggling with that, Come back to what's already true about you. Let those powerful truths resonate. Come on. I mean, you won the spiritual lottery. You won the spiritual Powerball. I don't even know how, to, how many illustrations I can do to try to get you to resonate emotionally with what this means. <laughs> right? I mean, I got to tell you. Right? I got to tell you. If if if. if if you knew that you like you checked your phone in the middle of church and you hit the Powerball, woo! You wouldn't care. You would just cut loose because you won. You won. Ephesians says you've been given every spiritual blessing. There is nothing. He's not holding anything back from you. You have it all. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Where does the joy of the Lord come from? Your identity in Christ and walking in obedience. It's just that. It's just that. Okay? Let's just start there. Come back. Come back. I put those there. Read them. Read them. Read them. Read them. I can't, I can't improve on it. And I'm not even going to try. Not even going to try. Lord, thank you. Thank you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The nation of Israel came back. They responded to the word, and yet Nehemiah and the church leaders said, You know what? we got to start in obedience. And Lord, in that moment, in that day, as they heard the law read, they heard of your goodness. They heard, they, they heard the story retold of being brought out of captivity. They heard the, re, the stories retold of your supernatural provision. They, ho- they heard the story retold of you being the one that chose them. And Lord, make these truths about who we are in Christ as real to us as it was to the Israelites. Overwhelm us with your grace. Overwhelm us with the truth of who we are and what's already true. From Romans 5 and Ephesians 2 and 1 Peter. Oh Lord, this can't be improved upon. This can't be. 
Open our eyes, Lord. And Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that we would sing it with conviction. I pray that we would sing it because of who we are in Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would sing it as a declaration that Jesus is our cornerstone. And Lord, maybe it's this song that will begin to stir the joy back up. Maybe we've come in heavy. Maybe we've come in burdened. Maybe we've come in with some guilt and conviction of sin. Lord, we just confess it before You right now. We acknowledge our sin. We repent. We turn. And we ask for and receive Your forgiveness. And Lord, now, we don't want to live in the past. May this song be the moment that we choose to sing in the present tense truth of who we are in Christ. This very moment. This very moment. As the band comes up, we're going to close with a song that, Lord willing, will be full of joy this morning. And I, and I just want to share my heart with you real quick while they're coming up. This series is, is uh, kind of an emotional one for me uh, in ministry and, and even just in uh, my own experiences with brothers in the Lord. When we talk about the joy of the Lord, man, I just, I just wish it's one of those things that you know you could open someone's head and pour it in. But I can't. And in my own life and in, in people I, I love dearly, you know, um, when they've lost sight of the joy of the Lord, they've just gone to some really dark places. And, and unfortunately, even irreversible places. I just want you to know the joy of the Lord. I just want you to know how much He loves you. I just want you to know who you are in Christ. I just want you to know that. And it's rooted in Scripture. And, and that's all I can point you to. And, 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 and pray, 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 pray that you'll appropriate it. Pray that something in your heart will open in your mind. You'll, and you'll just say, that's me. It's true. I, okay, I get it. I, I'll thank you. Just say thank you. Thank you. Just the starting point for some is just say thank you. Stop trying to figure it out. He already told you. It's just true. Just say thank you. And receive it. That's my heart for you. Because there's a world out there that needs joy. And, and the devil and everyone else, they just want, they, they're going to mess with you. Don't let discouragement rob your joy. Don't let the lies and deception rob your joy. And James it says, you are blessed, you are happy if you obey. He who hears is blessed. Be blessed in walking with Jesus. Just be blessed in walking with Him. My heart as we go through this, just, just understand, you know, it's crazy as I get up here, I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. I just, I just do. And I just love it when you beam with the joy of the Lord. And, and, and I know I, all I can do is teach it and pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes and you'd go, oh my gosh, that's me. Okay? That's, that, that's just my heart. And we're going to sing this wonderful song we used to sing a lot, Trees of the Field. It's a, joy, it's a song about salvation. It's a song about salvation. It's like, oh Lord, thank you for your salvation. I'm walking out of here and it seems, it seems like, it even seems like the trees are singing. That's what this song is about. I'm so joyful in the Lord that it seems like all of nature is singing. That's what this song is really about. So let's stand and let's sing this song together.